what makes an event a big event? Uh, we look back in history, we can see uh, there are a lot of events that many people remember. A big event is usually something that impacts a lot of people. Uh, many of us have lived through big events, some more than others. Uh, there, you know, things like wars and the civil rights and 9-11. And I think anyone uh, who's living now will look back and say COVID-19 was a big event in, in some way. Without them, we would ask the question, how would life have been different? How would things have gone differently had this event not happened? But in order to appreciate a big event, we have to understand it. There are things that, that I kind of just didn't pay attention in school sometimes. Uh, I'm not advising any of you, of you kids to do that. Um, but, but I'll hear of an event that happened, and someone who lived through it, and they know all the details, and, and they know why it mattered, and there was an emotional attachment. I, I remember hearing about uh, the Watergate scandal. Well, that, that sounds like it was a big deal, because these people who lived through it, they talk like it was, but kind of meant nothing to me. So if, if we want to appreciate it, then we have to study it and try to learn more about it. There are some big events in the Bible uh, that most people know, even if you don't know the whole Bible, like the creation and the, the, the fall or the first sin. Uh, things like maybe the Exodus, if you've been in Sunday school, or, uh, or Jesus' birth, everyone knows with Christmas. Uh, Saul's conversion to Paul, uh, that was a big part of the early church. But in our reading this last week, we came across this event that's called the Transfiguration. And I've I got to be honest, I, I didn't think of it as a big event for a long time. I, it was kind of like, oh, uh, Jesus' face went really bright like the sun. That's cute. You know? and, and then I'm, I was like, okay, now what does this mean? Uh, or why, why does this matter? And, and kind of just moved on. Um, but this is a, a really, really big event. Uh, that matters to bring the whole Bible together. We're going to see how the, the past is brought into it uh, from up, leading up to this event and how it changed things into the future, both when Jesus was here as well as after. And we'll see how we get brought into this as well. And so if you would, start with me in Matthew 16, beginning at verse 28. It says, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, if you read this passage and you left it alone, you would think, okay, Jesus says that these people are not going to die before they see Jesus coming into his kingdom. And if I read that isolated, I think that means going to heaven. And then if you look ahead, you see that they all die. So Jesus had to mean something else. And the word kingdom uh, often meant majesty or splendor. And so this could have maybe been translated like this, until they see the Son of Man, or Jesus, coming in into his kingly splendor. All right, so I, I think that's important, and that's why I didn't start in chapter 17, because Jesus said something, and if we don't understand it, we think, well, it, it, didn't, it didn't work out the way he said it would. But it actually worked out exactly the way he said it would, and then it happened in, in uh, chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. After, Je or after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now this is it. This is the climax of the story. I think, I think you would, maybe you would agree with me if you just read this. You'd probably, okay, that's, that's nice, and just keep moving on. Um, so we see what happened, which in itself is a huge event. If you really think about it, a person 
all of a sudden their face changed to where they looked like the sun and his clothes turned to white to represent purity. I mean, but why, why does it matter? Why does this event uh, matter? And so we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson, and, and uh, this is a little bit different than normal. I don't have other uh, like side stories and a lot of application. We're going to stay in this text, and I want everyone to leave understanding this because it's huge. And so um, the first question I had was, why did Jesus tell his disciples in verse 28 that they would see him in his majesty or splendor, and then six days later it happened? And, and so we have to look back to the second book in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, uh, another reminder that the whole Bible points to Jesus. Uh, so it, it's, it's Exodus 24, 15, and it says this. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Doesn't that story sound familiar? Uh, Moses had to wait six days, and he got to see a small part, of a glimpse of, of God. He didn't get to see his fullness, but just a glimpse. And then there's this passage later, and I told you, just for a minute, I'm going to do a, a little bit more reading, and then we're going to unpack this more. But it's in 2 Corinthians 3, beginning of verse 9. And it says, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Something changed. Something changed. There was something going on for a long time that happened a certain way, and now it's not going to happen the same way. See, what followed Moses' experience on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, is there were six days and then the law, the, it was the, what was written on the, on, the, on the tablets, a ministry that brought death. But then we get to this experience in the transfiguration, and we see the disciples, uh, Jesus said, or we see, uh, he says, you're going to see my splendor, you're going to see uh, my majesty. And then six days happen, just like with Moses. They go up on a mountain, just like with Moses, and what follows? We're going to see what follows. It's a ministry of righteousness. This was necessary. It, this passage in 2 Corinthians, it says we are very bold. We're bold because Jesus set us free of this, this cycle uh, that brought death. Ro Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We have been set free from a cycle that brought guilt and shame and recognition of our sin, but did not save us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What if we just left it at that? What if we read this passage and said, All of us have messed up and we've all fallen short, and that's it. Well, when we live by the law, that's what was happening. That's what was going on. And so this, this changed everything because it, verse 24, there's no period, it just keeps going. It says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The law, or the old covenant, what was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, it was not abolished, it was fulfilled, but it was to make us recognize our sin and recognize that we needed something else. The law came, then the prophets came, 
and then Jesus came. There's a reason for the order of that, and we're going to keep seeing that play out in this story today. It's almost like we're getting to see the entire Bible, or at least the major themes, uh, just in this one story. The last thing I want you to notice is from this first verse is, who did Jesus take with him? It says Peter, James, and John. I think Jesus took these guys because they were his closest friends, but I, I think that they needed, they needed to go with him. Uh, they needed to, to go there before he was arrested and beaten, crucified. You notice the timing. Right before this, not long before, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So the order matters so much. They said who Jesus was. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He revealed himself to them by showing them a glimpse, uh, being, being changed uh, into uh, a glimpse of God's glory. And then he goes and dies on the cross. We don't want it to go that way, that order, I don't think. I think we want to, be, to have that, we call it a mountaintop experience. We call that for the same reason. They were on the mountain, they saw God's glory. We want that first, and then we'll say, okay, now that I know for sure, now that I've felt God's presence, now I'm going to say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's not the order. No, they, they didn't get it until after they declared who he was. Maybe we have to make that declaration. I don't mean uh, just say it and then, and then uh, it, it's going to be revealed to you, but believe it without seeing it. Believe it even in the hard times. Believe it when life isn't going well, not when we're at a, at a conference or when church is really good, and now I feel it, so I believe it. It's not about our feelings. My feelings, it does, my feelings don't change who God is and who Jesus is. I have to declare that first. Maybe then the revelation will happen. Verse 3, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Again, there's a lot of significance in this story. Every single person, every verse, we can learn something from it. Moses and Elijah represented the Old Testament, both the law and the prophets. Moses wrote the law and predicted in Deuteronomy 18 uh, a great prophet would be coming. And then Elijah represents the prophets who spoke of a coming Savior. So Moses and Elijah being on the mountain with Jesus was a confirmation of Jesus there to fulfill God's mission and to fulfill the law and the words of the prophets. And this matters a lot. It's like, well, that's great. He fulfilled something. Now think about this. 600 years before, 800 years before, people are saying, hey, someone's coming. Hey, when's he coming? That's what my parents said. Well, that's what their parents told them. And that's what their parents told them. But when's it going to happen? Just get to it already. Maybe at some point you start to think, is it really going to happen? We're kind of in that, I think, with the end times. We think, well, it's going to happen. Jesus said he's going to come back. My parents said that. My grandparents said that. Is it ever going to happen? This happened exactly how Jesus said it would happen. It, exact, it happened how the prophets said it would happen. It happened how Moses said it, Moses said it would happen. Every single word of God uh, was fulfilled. It came true. It's not going to change. It's always happened that way. The event mattered because hundreds of years ago, people were pointing to Jesus, and now he's here, and people have to recognize who he is. So verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
Listen to him. Just as God's voice over Mount Sinai gave authority to the law, uh, to, the, to the Ten Commandments, uh, to, to Moses, uh, what, what he recorded. Just like that happened, God's voice here gives authority to Jesus' words. See, Peter tried to do what they always did. It was all rituals. It was, okay, we're supposed to go here at this time, and we're supposed to make this sacrifice, and then God will be pleased. But then our harvest isn't very good, so he's not pleased, I don't think. I don't know, so I need to give more, but I don't have anything to give because things aren't going well. And it was just this cycle that led to, I'm not good enough, and I can't do enough, and I can't be saved. I don't know if I'm... It just, it's just endless cycle, repetition, and it's horrible. But God corrected that thinking. It was all about the rituals. He tried to contain. Notice he didn't try to build a shelter for himself. He tried to build a shelter for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Contain this moment so it would last longer, so I can have control of it. And, and God, I, I, I feel like I wish there was more to it, but he made it very clear. But I think he was saying, all right, you've got your ways. You do it all how you want to do it, but just stop. Stop worrying about what you do. Stop focusing on, on how to control this or contain it. And just, just be quiet and listen to him. Listen to my son. He is going to give you the truth. Whatever he says, whether you like it or not, that's who we listen to. And verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. First of all, they just heard God talk. They knew it was him, and they were terrified. I think we would all be. But he just changed everything. Every, all their beliefs, their preconceived notions, the way they've always done things, just stop doing that and listen to my son. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And then verse 8, my favorite verse in all of this, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. That's a big deal. Before they, when they were standing up before, there's, there's Moses, wow, the, the, the one who brought us the law, I mean, this, this, is, this matters a lot. And Elijah, a prophet, someone who spoke for God in Jesus. Okay, well, he's my friend, and, and uh, he says some pretty good things. But up until this point, he hadn't revealed himself as being God. And, and so then God's voice, and they're terrified, and they fall face down to the ground. I'm not going down there again. My knee crunched up last time. I uh, thought I was going to fall. When they came up, no one was there except Jesus. Not Moses, not Elijah, Jesus. That's it. The transfiguration, this moment in time, this big event pointed, pointed the religious, pointed people who were looking to God away from those other things, from the law and the prophets, but not to get rid of them, but Jesus is here to fulfill them. All this stuff that you've been waiting for, that you've been looking for, it's right here. It's in my son. Listen to him. Verse 9, as they, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now, Jesus told his closest friends that this was going to happen. I think the timing was great because he was about to go to the cross, and now they know, okay, there's a reason for this. He's going to the cross, but it is God. might be more confusing because if you were just told that this is God and now he's going to die and then be raised from the dead, you, couldn't, you wouldn't think that God would die. So just like I'm confused right now. Uh, they were confused, so they asked. The disciples asked him, Why then did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah, Elijah comes and will, destroy all, will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, 
but have done to him everything they wished, in the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. The transfiguration of Jesus gave them exactly what they needed at the time, and it gives us exactly what we need right now. It, it brought them hope. They, they had no idea what they were about to face, but they had hope because they were given a glimpse of who Jesus was. We have no idea what we're going to face in our lives, but we've been given hope because of Jesus. The transfiguration offered hope to those who had been waiting for a Messiah. Again, those prophecies for so long, they're just talking about this guy that's coming to save us. Where is he? Now he's here. There were people who were looking for a shepherd, the, the, the religious. They had rabbis, and some of them were, uh, it seems that they maybe, maybe they were corrupt, and they weren't uh, leading people to God, but they were leading people to them. They were building their own kingdom, and now these people who are looking for a shepherd, for someone to follow, they have Jesus. We, too, have that same hope. It offered hope to those who had confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and now we're only left to look to him. It was a big event, a huge event, because it pointed to Jesus as Savior before the cross, the burial and resurrection, and prepared those who were looking to him. And I, I thought, I, I, I want to apply this a little, because when do we do this? We do this all the time. If, you, if you're uh, expecting, you find out you're expecting, you wait a little while you know, before you share the, the good news. If you have a career change, you, you wait till all the details are final and until people see the big picture and, uh, you know, you want to make sure you don't want to speak too soon, then you share it. Maybe you, you get, um, you, you make an offer on a house and it looks like, but you wait till the, maybe the closing or at least until you know you're approved. You know, you just wait until the big news. That's kind of like this. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Guys, this, he's saying this is a big deal, but let's not ruin it until the real excitement. I think he's trying to tell his, his closest friends who are getting them ready, I want you to know that I am God, but let's wait for the right time to let the whole world know. And now we do know. We've been given the fullness, uh, 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 the, the picture of the fullness of God in the flesh, through Jesus. We look through the Old Testament, and it always points to Jesus. If you're looking, you'll see him. When we get to the New Testament, it points back, Jesus points to God over and over again. It's not one or the other, it's, it's a, a continuous story. And now today, we're brought into this story. Jesus didn't leave it and say, okay, Old Testament, okay, now I've fulfilled it, so it's done. He said, he said no, the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, and he looks back, and then he looks ahead. He says, okay, now you guys have a mission. Go and share this with the world. What I like most about this is, is the hope that I see in this story. Again, I, I mentioned it already, but God's faithfulness was made clear in this story. From, you know, depending on how far back you want to go, whether it's Moses or, or the prophets, hundreds of years before God said something would happen. Look at Psalm 22, and, you, and then look at Jesus on the cross. It happened exactly how, how they said it would happen. It's a reminder to me uh, that what God said will happen. What he says, the reminders that I need right now, today in my life, the things that you need, uh, you just need, maybe, maybe we just need a little hope. We need a reminder that we can trust God, and he has never failed one time, and he never will. Let's pray.
Father, you are so good and, and perfect in every way. With confusion in life, with, with hard times, with brokenness, we, we don't always, I think, look to you right away. Uh, we look to try to solve things and do it on our own. But I th I'm thankful for this story, that as many people did try to do it on their own, uh, many people tried to earn their way to you and, and restore a relationship on their own to get to you. I'm thankful for the, the law and the prophets and the Old Testament so that we can see how you didn't leave us uh, to try to, to do it on our own and to fail, uh, but you did exactly what needed to be done by fulfilling all of your words. And so I pray that we take that today and whatever, whatever we need out of this message, out of this story, uh, that, that we would have that on our hearts and in our minds through the days ahead. Thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.